Okay, um, thanks uh, to Gary Peebles here for joining us today on a, another episode of We Were Ports. We're focused on past players that played for Portadown over the years gone by and talk to them about their career and their time at, at Portadown. As I say, I have Gary Peebles with us here today. Um, he just going to pull up his fact file here now. Um, he joined Portadown originally on loan in 1993, um, playing to the end of that season. He would then rejoin the club again in 1995 and would remain at the club then until 1997. He made a total of 82 appearances during his time at Portadown, scoring 15 goals. As I say, he made his on-loan debut on the 9th of January 1993 against Crusaders and ironically enough made his last appearance in the Portadown shirt on the 26th of April 1997 again against Crusaders. During his time at the club he won a league title, he won a league cup and he won an Ulster Cup. So welcome Guy and thank you very much for taking the time out to uh, join us here this morning. No problem Johnny, it's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Very good. So Guy, we're going to start. If you want to tell us a wee bit about your, your early career in, in Scotland, how you got started. I know you were at St Mary and, and Partick Thistle. If you want to talk us through how you got to those clubs and, and your early career. Yeah, no problem. I think like most most kids, you know, you played with your local uh, juvenile team, as it's known in Scotland, uh, a team called Glenifer Thistle, a uh, well-established team in the Paisley area. And from there, you know, I was, I was doing well. I was a striker at the time. I was scoring a bar a load of goals uh, and I was getting offered trials. You know, I had a trial with Rangers, Motherwell, Dundee, various clubs. But then I was training at St. Man because I'm a local boy and uh, St. Man had seen me play and invited me down to train. So I trained two nights a week. And then at the end of the season, it was a bit funny because I got an offer to sign for Motherwell. And then the following night, I got a phone call to go and sign for St. Man. And because I was a local boy in St. Man's my team, I just jumped at the chance. I'd no sooner signed and come back home when I got a phone call for the Dundee scout to say that Archie Knox wanted me to go up to Dundee on the Friday to sign full time, but it was too late. So I signed with St Martin um, as a striker, started, started my career well, scored goals, and then I just went into a period where I, I couldn't hit a coon at the backside with a, you know, a, a banjo, as, as, as the saying goes. So... I then went to the manager at the time, it was a, a, a guy called Alec Miller, and I said to him, you know, I'm not really playing, what's the story? He said, well, you're not scoring goals, you know, you're a striker. And I said, well, play me somewhere else. So I ended up playing left back for the last eight games of the, the season. And to be honest, I think I got man of the match in six of the games and I got a new contract. And then it went through there. I started playing fullback, um, centre half, played there for the next three or four years, made about 15 appearances in the first team. Fortunate enough to make an appearance in the, the, the cup winning uh, year 1987, which was, you know, good. And then I got a move to Partick Thistle under John Lambie. And it was a great move for me. Um, I played regularly in the first team, you know, playing, played over 100 games at Thistle, had a great time there, won promotion. And then like everybody else, new players come in, you know, I was getting kind of edged out. And then I get the phone call, really really random. I'll never forget it. It was it was I think it was New Year's Eve nineteen ninety two. Ronnie McFall, this Irish accent comes on the phone, um, introduced himself and said that John Lambie would be prepared to let me go and loan to Portadown. And I've got to be honest, I'm I'm like thinking, where's Portadown? 
you know, I, I did not have a clue. I mean, football players are fickle people. They, they tend to just focus on their, their self, you know, and what they're doing at that particular time. So you thought I knew what was happening in Scotland, but maybe the big clubs in England, but you didn't really know what was happening in the Irish League, to be honest. So, Ronnie being Ronnie, there was a, there was a, there was a few pound in it, shall we say, and um, I had a discussion with my wife, and I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. I'm not in the team at Partick Thistle. He's given me a couple of pounds. Let's go and see how it goes. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it. I was, you know, as you know, at that time, Portadown were a well-established team. You know, they were fighting for honours at the top end of the table. They had guys, Stevie Cowan was there, and I, and I knew Stevie from Scotland, but I didn't know, I didn't know the impact he had in Northern Ireland. To actually met him the day we were flying out for the first game. Him and Doogie Bell, and I knew Doogie briefly from my St. Martin and Partick Thistle days. Um, and me and Doogie kind of hit it off then anyway. So then I, I arrived, and then I realised, you know, Cowan was the main man. And then when you got to play, you realised that, by the way, there's a lot of good players in this team. You know, a lot of good players in this league. And we had a thoroughly enjoyable, I think it was 18 games I played. Um, and unfortunately, the, the second last game against the Stillaries, you know, we, we almost, well, we did blow the league. Um, and then went to Windsor the last game of the season and, and, and beat them comfortably. And that kind of rankles with me because, with all due respect, I think we should have won the league that year. You know, I think we only got ourselves to blame. It wasn't, I think it wasn't so much Linfield winning it. I think it was more Porter down lost it. Um, so that was my kind of introduction to the Irish League. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to sort of, you know, sort of answer the question there about how a move like that you know, comes about, you know, when you're, you're moving to play football in a different country, you know, is it like, I think you explained it perfectly there, where um, obviously Ronnie had got in touch with your manager at Partick Thistle, you received the phone call. It's like you say, it's not as if you're moving to another club an hour or two down the road, you know, it's it's a big thing where you're, you're flying out every, you know, flying out on a, on a Saturday morning or Friday evening, whatever it may be, flying home on a Sunday, you know, it's a big move and I was going to ask you about, you know, your knowledge of the Irish League and, and Portadown and that, and that sort of thing. But obviously, you know, as you say there, you weren't that familiar with it. Um, I sort of look back and, you know, you were joining the team, you know, some fellow Scots in that Portadown team. You were talking about Stevie Connor, Dougie Bell, um, Sandy Fraser as well was part of that, was part of that Portadown squad. And, and like you say, you know, Portadown were really pushing for the title that season and that penultimate game against, against Distillery. I think it ended up, 3-0. I think the still one was real, yep. real bolt from the blue. I think Portadown were, were sort of expected just to, to turn up and, and roll the distillery over. And it, it was um it was anything but that. Um, you made your debut think, on the, the 9th of January '93, from what I can see here, as a as a substitute down at Seaview um against Crusaders. Um yep. what after your first few your few games at Portadown, what was your overriding opinion of the Irish League? Was it better than you thought it was going to be? What did you think of the standard, you know, once you settled into life? No, absolutely, Johnny. It was, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, again, I suppose it's like maybe players who play in England at the top level and then they come up to Scotland, they probably think this is an inferior league. Uh, but I went to the Irish League and, you know, I've got to be honest, some of the players, you know, if you talk about the Portadown team just itself, Joey Cunningham, you're not telling me he couldn't have played a bro- uh, over the water. Marty Russell, fantastic player. Young Robert Casey. I mean, the potential that Robert had at that time was 
you know, phenomenal and, and probably should have played across the water. Then you had established players like Alfie Stewart, Brian Strain, Greg Davison, Philip Major. I mean, that back four, you know, in, in the six years I was there, they were probably, on go down is probably the, the you know, the, the best back four in, you know, that era. Because they played together for many, many years, won many, many trophies, and were such a solid unit. So, yes, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. The standard was, you know, better than I probably expected. And the game kind of suited me because I was, as you probably know, I was a kind of all-action player where, you know, I get in about it and, you know, made tackles and, you know, uh, things like that. And I was kind of box-to-box. So the game was fast and furious and it kind of probably suited my game. Um, so, yeah, no, I, 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 was, I was really impressed. And as I say, there was loads of good players. And then as, as you're playing games, you see players for other teams and you think, a few good players in this league, you know. It was a real sort of at that sort of time. It was still like a boom period for football in the Mid Ulster area. You know, Glen Avon still had the likes of, of Stephen McBride and, and Glenn Ferguson. The league, there was a league there where any of four or five teams, you know, could have won it. It was it was sort of the, the boom period for for the Irish League at that time. And you talk about that Portadown team. Probably most of the players in that team. I would say 90% of them, if not more, were part of the, the iconic double winning team. You're talking about Mickey Keenan, Philip Major, Greg Davison, Brian Strain, Alfie Stewart, Joey Cunningham, Sandy and and Steve. You know, it, it was a you know, it was really a iconic team. Um, what was your impressions of, of Ronnie? What was you know that initial phone call like? What was his man management like, you know, whenever you come into the club? Ronnie was a he was a larger life character, you know. He, he... He wasn't somebody who was going to sit down and be tactically, you know, get the, the board up and, you know, do all the kind of moves and what you should do. He basically just looked at the team and went, let's go and play 4-4-2 and express yourself. And as I say, Johnny, we had good players in the team. You know, you had guys, you know, we spoke about the defence here. You had guys in midfield, like, I came in, but you still had guys like Robert was there, Davy Mills was there, um... Up front, you'd Sandy, Stevie, Joey Cunningham, White. So you didn't really need to say too much. You just yeah. go out and play and express yourself, and you know, get on the ball and 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 take it from there. Yep. If we were maybe down at half time, he'd come in and he'd maybe have a discussion. But I think he just trusted. And Ronnie was always good. You know, he. I think the one of his biggest kind of strengths was he made good contacts in the game. So he was able to make a phone call to somebody in Scotland or England who would put him in touch with a, a striker that was maybe out of favour or a midfield player that was out of favour or whatever it is he, he required. And then he would just go and bring them in. Some would work, some wouldn't. You know, I'm not saying that every player he brought in from Scotland or England, you know, worked. But for the majority, players came in good authority. And, you know, for, again, for the majority, they, they, they worked for him. Um. We sometimes forget here, you know, the Irish League at that time was very much still a part-time league. Players have their, their jobs and playing as well. How did you find the effect of, you know, flying in and flying out? Would you have to move home on a Saturday evening or would it have been a Sunday morning? Or what way did that work for you? And how did that sort of impact on your on your life as well? Well, as I say, I'm a local boy in Paisley and St Mun's my, you know, the local team. So I literally lived less than a mile from the ground. So I was training there. Um, obviously, I was at Partick Thistle when I first came. I was training at Partick Thistle during the week, and whenever I needed to go for a game, 
I would get a phone call for Ronnie to say, your tickets will be at the airport. You're on the half-two flight to Belfast on Tuesday or the, the seven o'clock flight on a Friday night uh, and we'll get you picked up at the, the airport. You get picked up at the airport with the taxi driver, Jackie Tedford. Lovely, lovely guy. He picked you up, took you to the Seagull. You checked in. You had your dinner. You went to your bed. You got up in the morning. They took you to the game. You played the game. And if you could get home, you got home. If you didn't, you stayed in the Seagull again. You had a few beers and then you went home on the Sunday. And that became the kind of pattern, particularly for the sort of loan period. Mm. That was the kind of pattern because at that time, you couldn't get a flight. You know, the game finished at 25, quarter to five. By the time you get, you know, the, the, the discussion after the game and showered and changed and taxi, you couldn't get to Aldergrove or the city airport in time for the last flight home. Mm-hmm. Um, that changed the second time round where the flights, I think the flight started to leave for Aldergrove maybe about half six. So that allowed us to get quick change, get up to Aldergrove and the people at Aldergrove knew that the sort of, the players were coming for their various points in the country and they would, you know, kind of hold the gate to the very, very last minute to ensure that we get on it. So it was fine. You know, training training at Partick Thistle didn't, didn't cause any change in my routine. Um, you still trained away with the first team there and you came. It was difficult in the sense that you didn't train with the, the Port of Down yeah. guys. You turned up on a Saturday. But again, we all due respect, the majority of players that were coming in were good pros, you know, played at a good level. So there wasn't any concern that you weren't fitting in because you just kind of, you knew what you had to do. Towards the end of your loan spell, was there any conversations with Ronnie, <coughs> excuse me, about a permanent deal or, or staying on? Or was there no chat really about that? What's your, your memories of that, Gary? Well, that's interesting because, as I said, I, I love my time at Porter down that loan spell, you know, Take away the distillery game. It was a really, really successful spell. You know, I think we, we won the majority of games. I think we won the Mid-Ulster Cup. Um, the, the supporters and the town and the, the club were fantastic with me. And I really enjoyed it. And I knew at that time that my career at Partick Thistle was, you know, was coming to an end. So I was looking at what, what are my options. And there was wee things, you know, you know, Ronnie would be interested in signing you, but we didn't actually sit down and have that face-to-face conversation. Now, whether that was more about Ronnie didn't get round to it, uh, you know, at that time he was maybe looking, I don't know. But things just accelerated quite quickly at the end of the season where I get the opportunity to go to Sweden. Um, there, was a, there was a guy called Dave Hodgson who used to play with Liverpool uh, back in the 80s. Um, he became an agent and he'd get, he'd get my name through the PFA in Scotland. he say that, Whoever he'd spoke to said I was a good player and, you know, could he do anything for me? So he came on the phone pretty much at the end of the season and said, look, Gary, I'd be really interested in representing you. I could get you a move to Sweden, you know, because they played in the summer football. And I was kind of humming and hawing. He said, look, if you don't want to take that up, he says, I'll get you down to England. He says, no problem. He says, there'll be clubs, you know, keen to send you because, you know, I've got it in good authority that, you know, you're, you're a decent player. So that kind of perked me up a wee bit. Still hadn't really heard anything for Ronnie. There was some suggestion he was going to offer me a year's contract. Um, but it didn't really materialise. And then I get the phone call for Linfield coming out the blue, basically saying, you know, we've watched you over the last number of games. 
Um, really keen to sign you. You know, we played the last game of the season. I played well, scored a good goal, and it just kind of snowballed for there. And to be honest, it all happened that quick. And there was a kind of security of a two-year full-time contract. It was a similar scenario where you could fly in, fly out. So that's a kind of long answer to your question, Johnny. But Ronnie, Ronnie was a bit slow off the mark, shall we say. And he had a very successful spell at Linfield. Obviously, won another league title at Linfield. I think there was an Irish Cup, possibly... Um, <clears throat> success as well so you know you were justified in, in your decision to join in Linfield at, at that time you know you plan, picked up plenty of honours obviously the, the iconic final day I think was it in 94 maybe was it the, the last yeah. the last day of the season where you know any one of, of three teams could have won the title and, and things like that I think, I think it was there was plenty of coverage of that over, over the summer and over lockdown I think it was maybe the anniversary of it and there was a lot of lot of chat about it as well. So, um, you know, like you, like you said, Ronnie was slow at the off the market a full time contract with Linfield. You know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Obviously. Well, you're right. But as I say, at such a good time at Portadown, and obviously Stevie was there and Dougie was there, and I think, you know, I probably I probably think that Stevie probably deserved another year. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew that, you know. When I say his pace, he never had any pace, you know, the legs had gone, but he, he knew the way to go. And the way that Portadown played with, you know, Russell and Cunningham on either side, the ball was always coming into the box. <clears throat> and he was a predator in the box. So Stevie then moved on and Doogie moved on and, and there wasn't really... Sandy had by that time moved over to Northern Ireland, I think, was living there. So there wasn't any other Scottish players. I don't know if it was just about Ronnie reassessing the budget and, you know, who he could and couldn't bring in. Mm-hmm. But if Ronnie had made me the offer, I would have signed. Mm-hmm. You know, because at that point I was really, I was really enjoying my football. But as you say, I went to Linfield, and you know, the, almost the, the rest is history. You know, yeah. two years there, and you know, it, it worked out very well for me. Mm-hmm. So. You were talking that season. You left alone after your loan spell. You were talking there, obviously, Stevie and and Dougie also left that summer as well. Would be a bit at summer there of. 93, 94 was a bit of an upheaval for Portadown. He brought in, I think Ronnie brought in that summer, Trevor Smith, Tony Shepard, and Joe McLeod also arrived as well. And I think Joe maybe only lasted maybe six months at the club before he went back to Scotland. Trevor lasted a season and a bit and then left in a swap deal for Neil Tantus at Glen Torn and, and Tony, Tony stayed, I think, for two years and then would end up signing for, for Glen Avans. It was a real upheaval. You would then obviously... And another summer of upheaval at Portadown would arrive back then in the summer of 1995. You joined along with Tim Dalton, Peter Kennedy, and Gary Hellock also joined that summer. I think Ronnie made it a summer of intent, um, so to speak. Again, as we've talked about, how did the move come about? Um, how did Ronnie sell the club to you? Stuff like that again. Well, in one hand, Ronnie was slow off the mark in 1993. But on the other hand, in 1995, he was well off the mark. You know, he was like first in the queue. I mean, what had happened is we had, um, I'd struggled that season with an Achilles injury. And but I'd still scored a barrel load of goals in midfield. And, you know, I was still contributing to the team at Linfield and we won the Irish Cup. And then out of the blue, the manager phoned me and said, look, the club's going to put you in the transfer list. You know, um, and I went, all right. So... Me, me being me, I'm, I'm no daft. I went straight on the phone um, to Ronnie and the others. And I said, look, 
Linfield's going to put me in the transfer list. Are you interested? Ronnie went, absolutely. Leave it with me. And as you know, in Irish League at that time, you know, paying 15, 20 grand, 25 grand for a player was a lot, a lot of money. So Ronnie was kind of hedging his bets a wee bit. You know, he was keeping in contact with me saying, look, we're really keen to sign you, but, you know, we don't want to get stung here. You know, because my profile at the time was, you know, high. So weeks went on. I was keeping in contact. One or two other clubs were kind of in contact, but everybody was scared of going to a tribunal in case they put in a silly amount. And then I think we get into July. I was still training at um, St Mirren, and Ronnie phoned and he said, look, Gary, we're just going to go for this. He said, just take our chances. And I met him and the directors at the hotel at the airport, up at the, the international airport, and we, we, we cut a deal, and it went to a tribunal, and I think put it down, had to pay 20 grand or 22 grand or something, like I don't know what it was, and I signed. And I was delighted to sign because I knew, I knew the Haylock situation because I was fairly friendly with Gary, you know, through the well, Linfield days. So he'd been in contact with me to say, look, there's a problem here with my registration. You know, and I've got an offer for Pora Down that I'm look like I'm going to take. So that was a kind of win-win as well because we we had kind of struck up a good relationship on the park, um, and I knew that he was potentially coming to Pora Down. Obviously, knew Peter Kennedy was a fantastic player at Glenavon, and to get him was just again Ronnie being Ronnie. You know, obviously working his magic. Tim Dalton was a very experienced goalkeeper who played at a really high level. So it's fair to say that was four quality signings. That season, with, as you say, we a season with intent. And, I mean, it was a fantastic season, you know, the whole round, you know, winning a couple of, I think we won the League Cup and the Ulster Cup. Um, you know, and then we won the league, you know, the, the second last game of the season when I think Crusaders drew at Cliftonville. Uh, and that sort of gave us a league. So, aye, Ronnie was well off the mark that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't long until he would come up against Linfield. I was watching some highlights back last night. We played them then, I think it was the Ulster Cup quarterfinal um, up, at, up at Shamrock Park. I finished nil-nil, but won on a, on a penalty shootout. Gary Hellock obviously took the bulk of abuse. It goes his first time, obviously, playing quarter down against Linfield, Banners and so forth. Um, you were well thought of with Linfield. Um, I'm not sure if you received much abuse after you departed the club to go to quarter down. But said, did you feel that Gary somewhat, Gary's move, as controversial as it was, took some of the heat off you a wee bit. Um, but as you're saying, you were transfer listed and it was the club's decision. So I suppose, in a way, there was no abuse to be given, if, if you know what I mean. It was, to be fair, Johnny, it was a kind of win-win for me because, you know, even now, you know, we're, um, we've made contact through Twitter. So I'm on Twitter and a lot of the people that follow me on Twitter are blue men, you know, mm. water down fans and the like. And... There's been nothing but, you know, um, complimentary about my time at the club or my time at Portadown or my time in the Irish League. So it was a win-win for me. I had I had contributed well in the two years that I was there. I was probably viewed as a, a kind of iconic figure in the sense I pulled the jersey over the head. I would pop up with goals. I had, you know, I, I was a bit of a character. You know, I used to have a bit of banter with the opposing supporters. I was expected to win tackles. So... You know, the, the supporters took to me. So when I went to Portadown, it was actually, it was, it was really pleasing because when I came out that night, the Linfield fans were singing my name. And I think that was them basically telling the Linfield hierarchy that you've actually just sold one of 
what we perceive one of our better players to one of our you know our biggest rivals. So getting back to the Haylock situation, look, Gary was made an offer for Porta Down that he, he literally couldn't turn down, right? I don't know what the finances were or what the you know the the money was involved, but it was well documented it was a, a reasonable amount of money that he was getting offered to sign and you know in a weekly wage. And Gary, like any person at that time, has you know, I think he had a young family or he was just married or you know, we've tried to get a bit of security. So he kind of left, and Linfield, I think, had pushed the boat out to try and keep him. And there was a whole registration fiasco that meant that he could actually leave on a free. So, but that the fact that he could leave on a free meant that I think more of the money went to him than you know would have went to Linfield as a transfer fee. So. By doing that and then playing Linfield, 100%, Haylock got absolute pelters. Uh, and even now, when you're speaking to guys on Twitter or you know a, a Linfield thing comes up, he still gets pelters. Um, you know, I don't think the, the, they'll ever forgive him for the way that he left and the circumstances surrounding it. But at that time, Linfield's loss was Porter Downs' gain because, as you know, Johnny was a fantastic striker. You know, scored goals for fun and was a was a massive part of the that successful season. Did you feel with, with Ronnie's signings that he made in the summer and the squad that was already there, did you have that belief to, to yourself, look, this team can win the title, we're capable of doing big things this season? Did you have that feeling? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you go back to the 93-94, it wasn't a... Portadown lost the league as much as Linfield won the league. It was one of the ones where, you know, we went to Shamrock Park and if Portadown won, they win the league. Mm-hmm. We win 2 0. Portadown, I think, go to Balamina. And I think they draw. Yeah, and that's if they win, they win yeah. the league, something like that. They've then got Glenavon, their biggest rivals, who, to be fair, were a, were a great, great side back in the day. They've got a chance of beating them, they win the league. So they had, they had the league in their hands for three or four games. And that was because of the squad that they had then. Similarly, when we got to '95, it was a kind of similar type thing. You know, if you if you kind of you bring Haylock in as your kind of Trevor Smith type, you bring me in as your your um, Tony Shepherd type, and you bring Joe McLeod in as your kind of Peter Kennedy type. So there was kind of three similar type players there. I lied to the back four that was already established. I lied to Robert Casey, but this time was a you know one of the top midfield players in the the country. Uh, you know, young bags of energy. Marty Russell, you know, probably the most skillful player in the, the country. Joey kind of floated in and out. He kind of struggled with injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey, Joey played at all that season, I think. Did he not play he, at all, he, did he? I know, I think he finished. He got about, I think it was possibly a shoulder injury the season before. And I think right. he, he didn't he didn't play again after that. To, my, to the best of my knowledge now. You may be right. So, that was, a, that was the basis of a right good quality team. And then you had obviously... He'd other kind of backup players, a couple of young players coming through. Paul Evans, uh, um, the fullback, who was the young fullback, Gareth? Yeah, Gareth Bolton. Because it was, it, was it was a bit of a registration thing at the beginning of that season. Over his yeah. registration, I think we'd already possibly won the Ulster Cup. And then there was a query over Gareth's registration. And there was right. talk that would I might have, might have had to forfeit the Ulster Cup and lose league points. And I think it went... It went quite high up. It was quite a big story at the time, but I think then quarter down were found to be to be in the right from obviously from a memory didn't lose any points or any but, but no, you were saying well, that's right, right. right. But then you had also um 
Ian Ferguson was another Scottish import playing up front at the time as as, yeah. as well at that time. So you know you had you had I suppose that perfect blend of experience and youth coming through as well. And that that was again you know again to credit Ronnie, Ronnie could see that we had a good team. He could see that we were challenging. We'd won a couple of trophies, but then he went and strengthened. You know, he, 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 so he added another wee kind of mix to that and, and just kind of bolstered it. We brought in the young boy. It was Jamie Woodsford came in towards Jamie the last six or seven games of the season and, and scored and a bucket load of, bucket loads of goals. I think he scored a hat-trick down at, down at Cliftonville. Um, That's right. He, you know, he really made a big, big impact as well. So he also added Raymond Byrne, I think, came in early yeah. in the season as well. That year, I think Alfie maybe struggled with, with injuries and stuff a wee bit during the campaign. So like you said, yeah. you know, Ronnie, Ronnie was ideal at seeing if there was going to be an issue somewhere, if something needed added, and going and getting it. And like you yeah. said, eight or nine times out of ten at work. I mean, Peter Kennedy that year was absolutely on fire. I mean, he was he was playing at a different level for everybody else. And that, you know, that kind of culminated in his move across the water where he had a successful career. But he was absolutely flying. He was scoring goals from all angles. Um, so when you've got somebody like that, I like to what you had, I like to Haylock's goals, I like to the fact that you had a solid back four and a good keeper. You know, it does make a good recipe for a, a championship winning team, you know? Definitely does. As I say, you know, you scored the win, winning penalty in the shootout in the, against Linfield at Shawmark in the, the quarterfinal or, or semi-final of the, of the um, was it the Ulster Cup, I think, then we went on and we beat Linfield in the, the Ulster Cup, we beat Crusaders, I think, in the League yep. Cup that season as, as well. You, um, I think you scored against Linfield in the Ulster Cup final, from what I can remember, it went to penalty. Yep. Um, I think Neil Candlish scored a, scored the winning penalty, so it was it was a really successful, you know, successful season. Ronnie was was justified in his in his dealings in the transfer market that summer. And then obviously, you know, winning the title as well. It was the first season of the of the new Premier League format. I think with the with the twelve teams. So you know, you were playing big teams every week. You know, it wasn't like the sixteen team league previously where sometimes you maybe had five or six matches where you were just expected to, to roll roll teams over. You know, we had yeah. you know, every 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 few weeks you would have had a Linfield, Glen Torn, Glen Alvin, Crusaders, Cliffville, you know, you, you were if you won the league that season you deserved to win it because it was yeah. big teams every fixture. Um what are your memories I suppose of that, that final or that penultimate game against Glen Alvin at a at a, a rainy Shamrock Park um to win the title? Well, I was I was thinking about this on the back of your invitation to come on this, Johnny, and I was thinking of some of the games. And if my memory serves me right, did Glenavon no beat us seven nothing? Yes, there you have. I was sort of going through my research here today, um, and there was a, a big win for Glenavon. Um, I'm sort of looking through the. Yes, Glenavon beat us on seven 0 at Mornview on the seventeenth of February that season. So I knew that I knew that it was a big win, and I knew that obviously the the history and the rivalry, and then I knew that we got the game at Shamrock Park, Glenavon, come second last game of the season. Crusaders, I think, uh, I don't know if they're ahead in goal difference. I don't know where it worked out. But anyway, we had a fantastic victory, two one, and we then came in to find out that Crusaders had uh, drew with Cliftonville, which meant that we had won the league, which was great because you're going to see through the last game of the season. And as you know, they were a big, strong, imposing team. You know, they took no prisoners. It's a hard place to go. 
So to go there as league champions, you know, get the guard of honour. You could play with a bit of freedom. You know, you were relaxed. You knew what the what was going to happen at the end of the game, and you were getting the presentation. Um, so it was a great end to the season. Yeah, um, I'm just sort of looking through some notes I made that season as well. Um, you know, we beat Crusaders in the League Cup final, um, but it was fairly, fairly tight in the league. I don't think we beat them in the league that season. I think there was two draws, and they had beat us up at Seaview 3-1. We went into that Glen Alvin match a point ahead of Crusaders, um, from what I can see in front right. of me here. Um, but we had a, a much inferior goal difference, you know, so obviously them drawing us winning. Um, but also beat Crusaders 6-1 that season in a late cup right. tie up at um, Seaview. I, I remember, especially for Mickey Keenan coming on for the last 15 minutes up front for Portadown. I think it was only three subs and Portadown had used their two. Somebody got injured and, and Mickey came and goal hung for for the last quarter quarter of a game. Um, I was, as I say, I was looking through the highlights of that Glen Alvin game the other night. Um, I think Glen Alvin took the lead. Early doors, I think they did. They did, they did. and then um, I think Fergie scored with a header, didn't he? Yes, I, I think, think I think there was a shot. Me, I scored the winner. Talton, Tim Dalton sort of palmed it out into into um, McBride's path, I think it was, and then um, and scored, and then we got a penalty, um, which Gary had at the spot. I always remember the, was it a Glen Alvin player threw a bit of muck just as at the ball, just right. as Hellock was running up to it, and then Ian Ferguson scored a. Scored a header then to, to um, win the game. I was yep. kind of looking at keep harping on by looking back to the highlights. It was a, it was a, a just I suppose it showed the hunger and the fight of the team. I think it was um, Gary Hellock took on a shot at a tight angle. Like Neil Candlish was maybe beside him. I think it'd be in squared. Neil would have scored, and I think Gary and Neil had a That's bit right. of a, a bit of a, a shoving match. Um, for a couple of seconds after, I think Neil was was not so happy. But I suppose that shows the fight and hunger in the team. Team yeah. to win. Well, there was there was another player that was there, Neil Canlis, you know, and probably Neil. I don't know if he gets the credit that he deserves, but he his contribution that year was fantastic as well. You know, he weighed in with some crucial goals, and you know, he was always a good outlet, a good foil up front because he's you know he, he was tricky and he had a bit of pace. Um, what were your, your you know we talk about we talked to, as I said to Robert and Mark McCanny won trophies. What are your memories of the, the night after that? You know, was there a big party? Did you just go out? Did you celebrate? What What was it? What happened after that game? Was it after the Glenavon game? Yes. Well, suppose you now looking back, I say that we then I think had a Ash um, no. Well, looking back here, Glenavon had beat us a week before actually in an Ash Cup semi final replay. Was it? Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, I thought that was after this game. So yeah, after the Glenavon game, he sealed the title. Any stories about the celebrations or, or what well, happened after I think, that? To be honest, Johnny, I can't really remember after that game. What I can remember after the the presentation of the trophy, we came back to Port Adown and we had a open top bus through the town, and it was it was brilliant. You know, the whole town was um, everybody cheering and everybody in great spirits. And I remember I had the trophy. I think I was up the top of the bus, and I think I just threw the trophy down to the supporters. And I think about three or four of the directors started to panic, you know, like, can he, can he, do that? You can't do that. And I was, by that time, the euphoria was just, you know, overtaking, you know, just in such good spirits. So I thought that was quite funny, you know, and all the, all the boys are running about me going, what are you doing? And I threw, and this, I think about 
half a dozen supporters are at the back of the bus with the trophy giving it loudy, you know. So I remember that. But in, after the Glenavon game, I, I don't know. I, I think we probably thought... I think we... We thought that we would beat Glenavon quite clearly, but I think we also thought that Crusaders would have enough to beat Cliftonville. So I think the the focus was on the last game of the season going to Seaview, and it was almost like a title decider. So it came as a bit of a surprise that because Cliftonville they weren't great that year, so it was a very it was very much a surprise that Crusaders uh, didn't win the game and take it to a decider. So. We probably just had a few beers in the Seagull. I don't know if he even stayed over. Normally, you stayed over. You were in the Seagull Hotel or maybe down to the rugby club. But I can't honestly remember. I'm looking through some of the, you know, as you said, there was big players that season, the likes of yourself, Peter Kennedy, Gary Hellock, you know, the back four. But there's some players that sort of do slip under the radar. You mentioned Neil Candice there. I'm looking at the likes of Paul Carlisle also came in yep. that season. Um, yep. I always remember him being a great crosser of the ball. He possibly... Crossed the ball, maybe, for, and on that day for, for Ian Ferguson's header, possibly. Um, also, look at the, like you were talking about, Paul Evans. There was also Kevin Bain, another Scottish import, came in for the yeah. last few games of that season as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's smattering of players. It's something like you said, the likes of Gareth Fulton, to fall under the radar, but made a big impact that season as well when called upon. Well, Paul Carlyle came in, and he came with a, you know, a big reputation for the... Mm-hmm. I think he played at Derry City. Yeah. And he kind of struggled a wee bit, but I remember he scored a wonder goal at Coleraine. I think we went up there and we drew two each. And I think he scored a, he scored a wonder goal to get a crucial point. Um, yep. So he contributed. Um, Kevin Bain. Kevin had been playing at Dundee and I think he'd fell out of favour and he came over. And, you know, I think Alfie was injured or... Uh, Strainer was injured and Kevin came in and, you know, played well for the, I think, half a dozen games he was there. I, I don't know how many games in total, but he certainly uh, fitted in well. Another Scottish, another, Scottish import, another Scottish import from that season. That's still talked about now, even though I think he only made, looking at the notes here, he only made five appearances with Scott Leach. He came in yep. for literally only a month. I think he maybe, he played in that, um, he played in that, Cup final, I think he played in the Ulster Cup final um, against against Linfield that, that season. He made a you know a big impact. He really impressed him in his month or so that he was here. And he, well, he was like an established player in the Scottish Premier League, and I think he'd been injured. And then he was, I think he may have been at Dunfermline or Hearts or something. Like that. I'm not 100 percent sure. And he he came in loan. Um, you're right for that month, and he played in the, one of the cup finals but again. Credit to Ronnie. Ronnie probably made a phone call. I don't know if one of our midfielders were injured because I played a few games with Scott. But I don't know if Robert was injured or Robert played up front or moved somewhere else and it was me and Scott Leach in the Midway Park. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that was probably... Yeah. I'm looking back at I think Ian Ferguson missed large chunks of that season through yeah. injury. So I think that's where, where Scott Leach sort of came in then, I think, right. as, a, as a replacement a replacement for Ian. Um We'll look back then, we'll look forward then to the next season, which wasn't as successful. Um, yep. Unfortunately, now, um, sort of a, a mid-table finish didn't really uh, challenge at all. Um, obviously, lost Peter Kennedy. He went across the water to Notts County, which was a big loss that season. Um, I'm sort of looking 
to see if Ronnie didn't really make many changes that summer. Not many came in. I'm looking. Stephen Livingstone came in from um, Crusaders, although he only he only played a handful of matches. And then I think he went to Glen Torn in a swap deal where Ronnie brought Trevor Smith back to the club. Yeah. Um. That season as well, there was quite a few um Scottish loan players came in that season as well. There wasn't. Looking back, there was never Ronnie didn't seem to get a set on team that season. Um, I think Kevin Bean returned that season for a loan spell. Um, uh, there was um Tony Scully, I think, also came in as well. Um, but um, what's your memories of that season? It seems very looking again at my stats. It seemed very disjointed. Um, no real set on team. Uh, well, for a personal point of view, I think um, I tore my Achilles tendon. Um, I think maybe in September against, I think we played Bally Clare. There was a, I think there was a competition at the beginning of the season where it was a kind of league section or something. Yeah, you're right. Yes. And I injured my Achilles and I had to go for an operation. So I never really come, I never come back the December time. Um, and I think again, probably alongside that, there was maybe others who picked up injuries and, and they couldn't get a settled formation. Hence the reason he was bringing in a lot of kind of loan players that, that not that they didn't work but he just didn't get the kind of settled team that he'd had the year before and then I think around about December time I get back into the team and then I by that time I think we were just mid-table you know the season was just kind of floating away and it didn't really pan out as we probably expected at the beginning of the season yeah no like, looking through you know those you know those Early a weekend or a week went past there looking at the notes here that the same team would have played consecutive matches. Like you said, it was a very up and down season. There was um a lot. Davy Kirkwood, I think, came in on loan there for six or seven oh, games. Yeah. Um um O'Driscoll came in as well. There's Cargill, there's a lot of loan signings. And obviously, you know, an unsettled team never really, you know, it's hard to get any momentum going, build up any consistency. There was another Ian Ferguson came in, wasn't there? Yes, there was a period there, yep. There was another Ian Ferguson came in. He did okay. Yeah. I think he got recalled back. I think he was at, maybe at the time he was at Wraith Rovers, and I think under Jimmy Nicol, and I think he came to us, he scored a few goals, and I think Jimmy Nicol recalled him. Yeah. Because I think Ronnie was keen to try and keep him longer. There was a game here, um, I say it was against Linfield in the County Antrim Shield quarterfinal, where you scored um, Gary Hellock and Ian Ferguson, I think, Scored the winner as well. And um, I was looking back. You had a knack for scoring goals or important goals against Linfield. You scored in that quarter final. You obviously scored in in the last appearance of your loan spell. Um, you scored the winning penalty in this, you know, in the, the, the early season penalty kicked shoot out against Linfield and then in the, the Ulster Cup. And you sort of had that knack for scoring against Linfield, didn't you? I, well, I, I did that season when I went to Port of Down, and that was, that was obviously pleasing given what had happened. At, at Linfield and, you know, obviously for a quarter down perspective, it was pleasing as well. But I had that knack in my kind of my career in the Irish League, Johnny. I, I seemed to pop up, um, you know, whether it was a winning goal or a winning penalty or a goal in a cup final that contributed to winning. Um, you know, at Linfield, I scored the winning goal in the quarter final of the Irish Cup. I scored the winning goal in the... the, the, the League Cup final. I scored the winning goal in the Irish Cup final. I that kind of... Knack had popped up with a goal, and they, a lot of them seemed to be quite important goals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but that season, 
it was disappointing from a personal point of view, obviously with injury, and then it, it didn't end well because there was a whole controversy with me and you know the player for Glenavon. That it, 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 so my season can end not as expected. But to be fair, again to the club, the club were absolutely fantastic with me during my injury. You know, they put me into you know private healthcare and I got operation, and then after the whole carry on uh, the Glenavon debacle. They supported me and, you know, continued. They could easily have sacked me and, you know, moved me on, but they didn't. You know, they still paid my wages. I think I still was due some signing on fee. And they looked after me fantastic. And then at the end of the season, I think it was just one of the ones where I think Ronnie felt let's go in a different direction. And, and you know, I was kind of on the transfer list and, and then moved to Newry. But, no, the season didn't end well, given the season before and the quality of the player that we had in the squad, uh, it was a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. Like you said, then you moved on to on to Newry, who were, at the time, when you look at the likes of what Lorne are doing now in the Irish League, that's what Newry were threatening to do at that time. They were bringing in big investors and there was talk that they were going to challenge the big teams and stuff. I think you ended up at Newry, I believe. Trevor Smith went to Newry oh. as well and Desi Gorman, you know, they, they made big signs but it obviously didn't happen. Um, it was, it was, that was a crazy time in the Irish League and, and I've had these conversations with some guys on Twitter, you know, and the, the people of a certain age who remember the kind of the early to mid-90s to late 90s, you know, talk really fondly about that's when the Irish League was to its best because of the players were flying in, the players that were in the league, you know, when you think, uh, you know, when you think of like of Glenavon, Ferguson, McCoy and McBride, I mean, what a strike force that was, you know. Then you had the Crusaders team who were, you know, solid. You'd put it down who were always in and around with the quality of players that they had. Then you had Linfield who always attracted the biggest, you know, players. And then you had Glentoran. And then even at the end of the 90s, Cliftonville came into yeah, the force. Yeah, in 1998, yeah. Uh, it was a great time. It was a great time to be playing football and I think it was a great time to be a supporter of the Irish League because... You know, it was just loads of good quality football, loads of good players, loads of characters. I feel, I feel at the moment because I keep in touch with the game, and I feel that there isn't the level of character that there was back then. Um, playing at the moment is whether the games maybe more professional because a lot of clubs are full time. I'm not so sure, but back then, uh, you just you just look forward to a Saturday afternoon. You know, mm-hmm. I was looking. Marshall Gillespie, we were talking about that here in the Irish League. Marshall Gillespie, he's at. And actually, statistician, he's very prominent in Twitter. You know, he put up some stats last last night about goal scoring partnerships. I was looking there. Glenn Ferguson and um, Stephen McBride scored a combined eighty goals between them in the the ninety four ninety five season. And empty handed, you know, didn't didn't win a, didn't win a title. Which you know, it just goes to show that during that the mid nineties, early nineties of of the Irish League, you know how big of a product it was. You look back now at some of the highlights, some of the, the grounds are absolutely chock-a-block. Um, oh, and some of the players on, on show at that time and the, and the goals scored. And, you know, they scored 80 goals in the season and not, not have anything to show for it. You know, it, you know it, it just goes to show the quality that, w- that was in the in the league at that time. I mean, I think Glenavon, with all due respect, they were always the bridesmaid and never the bride, weren't they? You know, they... As you say, they are you know eighty goals in a season, and you've got nothing to show for it. It's just yeah. ridiculous. And they had you know they had a quality team for three or four seasons. 
but yet it was Portadown that was winning the league, or it was Linfield that was winning the league, or you know, it was Glentoran uh, winning the league, or Crusaders mm-hmm. and Glenavon. You know, for the player that they had, it was a disappointing return in terms of trophy wise, you know. Yeah. Even the season we won the league and they made us seven at Bonview Park, we still went on, you know, to win the league. And, you know, sometimes you wonder you know, what you have to do to. to if my memory serves me right, Johnny, did we not beat them? I think I watched it on YouTube about seven, eight months ago. We beat them. Did we not beat them in the semi final at Mongeau in one of the competitions, the League Cup or the Ulster Cup? Well, they lost scored two. I think we beat them 3 2. Um, now, that does ring a bell. I'm just looking back, looking through my notes here now. Um, Gary, um, I know there was a Cardi Antrim Shield. Um, we beat them in the semi final at Mongeau. Mm-hmm. It was a under the lights Tuesday night, and it was a fantastic game. And we beat them. I'm sure we beat them three two. Yes, now I think I know the game, but I think that was a Charmark maybe. We beat them three two in the semi final under the no, lights. No, it was definitely Monview. Was it definitely Monview? Yeah. Um, because I have a memory of us. We beat them in the Ulster Cup semi final now. Um. Oh, that's yes. You're right. Maybe that is that was yes. Tenth of October '95, we beat them. Um, this has it listed as away. We beat them um, 3 2 in the Ulster Cup semi final. Yep. 3 2, you're right. Um, they, that was a, that was a great one. And Gary Hellock scored, scored two. Yeah. You, you talk about crowds. That's a, I think it was a Tuesday night. There must have been easy four, five, six thousand in the ground. It was, you know, it was great atmosphere. And that was the norm. That was the norm at that, at that stage. I was even watching you talking about YouTube highlights and I think. I think something came up. I think it was Glen Avon against Ards at Mornview, and you know Ards wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought they're notoriously for having a big drive, but Mornview's packed. You know yeah. for Glen Avon against Ards game midweek. Yeah. Um. So you know it just goes to show the, the pull that they actually had at that time. Um. Then you you went on after you you went to Ards, isn't that right? Yeah, for for a period. You know, to be honest. Uh, I went to obviously went to Newry with such a good first season. We won the first division. It was, you know, it was one of the land situations that you, you alluded to. You know, a, a local businessman came in, wanted to make Newry the you know the next big thing. Spent a bit of money, brought in you know players, paid them decent wages, paid them decent sign on fees. But you just knew that he didn't have the money that maybe the landowner has, and it was just you know it was a. It was one of these kind of two-season wonders. Yeah. And what had happened is I was kind of in and out of the team, kind of fell out of favour with Ollie Ralph and Harry Faber, the managers. Although they were the managers, Trevor Anderson almost had the casting vote. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of set up, you know. Trevor had been kind of uh, headhunted to go as a kind of director of football. Uh, but he kind of, they were the front men, but he was the kind of, he was the guy who made the decisions. And I had been kind of in and out of the team, and they brought me over for a brought me over for a midweek oh, county Antrim Shield game against um, Crusaders, and it was a horrible night, frozen pit. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, I tore my hamstring. Realised at the time, I thought it well, I ruptured my hamstring. I thought I tore my hamstring, and that more or less finished my career. So I went back. And I should have went to hospital, but you think it'll just mend itself, it'll be fine. Two, three months later, I'm really struggling. I'm I'm, I'm running like a, a lame horse, and I wasn't the quickest and the best of times. And I thought, nah, this isn't really happening. 
So I left Nuria, I'd ended up in a bit of a kind of court battle with them over wages and, and different things that I won, uh, mm -hmm. thankfully. And I was put a contract and I got a phone call from Tommy Cassidy, who phoned me out of the blue and said, would you be interested in company arts? And to be honest, I went. I wasn't as fit as I should have been. Uh, but I did actually quite well. We, we played six games, I think. We won five, drew one, I scored. And he was keen to sign me. And then when we started talking kind of figures, it wasn't so much. But that time, I wasn't chasing the big money that time. I, I knew at that time my kind of full-time career was coming to an end and it was time to, you know, get into the working world. So I wasn't even hard to deal with. And we kind of spoke money. And then he phoned me up and he said, look, Gary, I'd love to sign you, he says, but by the time we pay your wages, by the time we fly you over, by the time we pay for a taxi to collect you, by the time we, you know, pay your hotel bill, he said, financially, it's not really a good deal for us. And I said, you know what? Absolutely fine. He says, look, I really appreciate you playing for the month um, and wish you all the best. And I come back to Scotland and I was just going to chuck it, Johnny, and then I played juniors for a wee while. Um, people were phoning me up, come and play, and I went. But at that time, my hamstring had done me in, so I think I lasted about a year, and then I just retired. I just gave up altogether. And what do you have nowadays, Gary? What do you? What's your your job, or how do you keep yourself busy? I'm a operations manager in a residential stroke secure unit in Paisley. It's a big residential. It's the biggest, biggest one of its kind in the UK. Kibble Education and Care Centre. I started working there on a kind of part-time basis when I was at Linfield, and then I went and get qualifications, and then just kind of because I was always. I was always cute enough to know that my football career wouldn't last forever. So rather than just kind of finish football and then realise what am I going to do, I kind of planned and prepared three or four years before I actually finished. So I'd already kind of halfway into getting the qualifications and then worked myself up and I'm now a, an operations manager um, in that organisation. So I've got a good job. It's been a good career. Um, and I've, fortunately, I've been able to work through the the, the, the pandemic, you know, because their, their job's 365 days a year, 24-7. So, in that sense, it's been good. Football-wise, Johnny, me and Sammy Johnson, I don't know if you remember Sammy Johnson playing with Glenavon. Yes, yes. Well, Sammy's a good pal of mine at Party Crystal, and we kind of kept in touch, and we ended up managing a wee local kind of junior club, you know, some, some like maybe Moyola Park or Lock Gall back in the day, that type of level. And we did well. And then it was taking up too much time. And, and I thought, you know what? Let's just get out when the going's good. We took them. We'd won, a, we'd won a league. We'd won a cup. And we'd made them finish fourth in the kind of Premier League of the Junior Leagues. And we thought, right, that's time just to kind of bow out. And I've not been involved in football since, what, 2008? So... I come over, it's on my, my to-do list is to come over and go to a Portadown game and take in a game. The difficulty with that is, is you fly into Belfast, you stay in Belfast for the weekend, so you tend to go to a game in Belfast. What I need to do is come over, hire a car, and drive down to a Portadown game, take in a game, and try and catch up with some old faces. You know, as I say, the club were fantastic with me. I've got nothing but good things to say about Portadown. And that's probably reflected in my, my, my tweets and my Twitter account. You know, I'm always 
always making comments and always looking for the result and always wishing them well. So, you know, I've got nothing but fond memories about Portadown. Yeah, well, certainly, certainly love to have you back, back at Shamrock, Gary. At the minute, would love to have anybody at Shamrock at the moment. Um, so, well, no, but definitely in the future, definitely would love to have you back at, at, at Shamrock, Gary. Did you, once you quit playing football, did you notice a big change? You know, you hear about footballers where they have that routine of training Tuesday, Thursday, match days and stuff. Is it something that you miss, Gary? Or is it something that, you know, you appreciate some family time and not having the same constraints that you were under? Well, I'm quite lucky, Johnny. And I'm one of these people where I had my career. I had a decent career. Um, played with a lot of good players. Played in a lot of good sides. You know, won a few trophies. I was then able to kind of make that transition into kind of full-time employment without the feeling the need to still be involved. Something that kind of rankles with me is ex-players who are hanging on to the coattails of a coaching job or a scouting job and, you know, and then they move from club to club and it's like they're trying to hang in there. It's like, just move on and go and have your career, you know, and, and, and go on with it. So, what I miss is the banter. You know, you miss the characters. You know, you talk about like support it down. You know, your Greg Davison, your Philip Majors, you know, characters of the game who, you know, kept the dressing room bubbly and funny and, and what have you. So you miss that. And obviously you miss the games, but the other bits, I can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do now, Gary, is I'm going to run through some players, sort of a word association. I just want you to give me one word that you think sums up that player or describes him. Is that okay? Yep. yep. Okay. Ronnie McFall. Legend. Gary Heller. Selfish. Um, Brian Strain. Leader. Um, Joey Cunningham. Unbelievable talent. Uh, Greg Davison. Brilliant character. And finally, we will go with Alfie Stewart. Gentlemen. Now, to round off, Gary was saying that, do you, is there any stories or anything that sticks in your mind from your time at Portadown? Any wee quirky stories or funny stories oh. or, or wee things that are sort of fall under the radar that nobody might, have, might know about? Well, I'll tell you that story. It was Back in the day, there was a lot of, the, the kind of humour at the time would be Say you were driving down the street and you you drove by Asda and somebody goes, is there an Asda route near here? Somebody goes, oh, there it's here, as if they would just dive in, you know, stupidly. So we were over in um, Bojvedina when we were playing Bojvedina. And the older people who watch this will, will probably, you know, get this probably more than the younger people. But there was a famous player, Emily Hughes, who played with Liverpool and his nickname was Crazy Horse. So we were in a, we, we played the game, we knew for a few beers, we were in this bar called Crazy Horse. So imagine we're in there, we're having a few beers, banter's flying, and Davidson and Major pipe up and go, I can't believe uh, Emily Hughes built this pub. Now, we're in the middle of Vojvodina, right, the middle of Yugoslavia, and I, right away I dived in. Who, Emily Hughes built this pub? And they're you can just see the two laughing at each other. I've dived in, hook, line, and sinker. And then you sit and realise, how on earth is bloody Emily Hughes going to build a pub in the middle of Belgrade, Novi Sad, or wherever we were? 
gone crazy horse, you know, it was just ridiculous. And I just was like, oh, I need to get him back. So that was that was a good wee story because that was the kind of humour at the time. You would just fire wee things in that was so obvious that it was so stupid to dive in. And it was so obvious that Emily Hughes didn't build uh, the pub in Voicewood, you know, you know what I mean? And big dafty here dives in. So, But other than that, you know, it's, it's hard because it was such a long time ago, Johnny, that a lot of the stories you... It's not... You know, I was on a podcast before and I told the story about me getting invited to the UTV studio and it was a whole wind-up, you know, I was meant to go on the Jerry Kelly show, so I told that story. Um, but now, you just miss people like, say, your Davidson's majors now, because they were characters. You know, they kept the dressing room going. You know, they were the guys. They were the heartbeat of the team. Um, and then you miss, you know, and footballers, again, you don't really keep in touch. Twitter's been a... Twitter's been a godsend for me because I'm not really a big social media person, so I don't have Facebook and you know I don't have Snapchat or Instagram or anything like that. It's not really for me. And it was just a few years ago I thought I'm going to try this Twitter. And then you know people like yourself who maybe you know came and watched and you, you get in contact and you, you start talking about games and you start talking about periods in your career, and it's been absolutely brilliant. You know people posting pictures, people making comments, you know people compliment you as a player. People saying, you know, I wish I wish we had a Gary Peebles in our team. Remember that game? Or here's a here's a clip of a goal. You know, I had a guy last night um, sending me pictures of when I'm a party thistle days, you know, and then tell me he, he watched this, the highlights, because, you know, something happened that I was involved in, and it's great. So Twitter's been an absolute godsend, particularly for a Northern Ireland point of view. Yeah. You know, made some great connections with people that, you almost class them your friends now and you don't really know them but you just kind of know them through Twitter mm-hmm. because you're in much contact you know and I've did a couple of podcasts like this with other people and it's been absolutely brilliant really really enjoyed it What's your Twitter handle Gary for people that maybe don't follow you on Twitter or aren't aware that you're on Twitter? It's at Gary Peebles 4 So No so if you're if you have Gary a follow certainly he, um, there's lots of comments and lots of Opinions and discussion about Irish League football. So, um, if you're not following Gary, give him a give him a follow, Daphne. Gary, we're going to wrap it up here. So, I just want to thank you so much for giving up your Sunday morning to have a chat with you. And um, I think we all appreciated your what you've done for the club and, and your time at, at Portadown. We probably didn't appreciate those those periods of time enough. Looking back, looking back and everything. But thank you so much, Gary, and um, stay safe. And thanks very much for joining us this morning. Okay, thanks very much, Johnny. I really appreciate it. And all the best for your podcast and all the best to put it down for the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Gary. Really appreciate it.